Hi, my friends. I do this work with all my heart for you. So please contribute generously to Future Primitive. listen to Future Primitive. Uh, I'm sitting on a bed in Santa Fe with a woman I've been wanting to meet and her name is Phyllis Telek and she has just come to us from Turkey a few days ago and she is wild at heart, free in spirit, curious in mind and a nomadic artist. She's a world traveler, a spiritual seeker, a process host, a social innovator, an earth activist, a community organizer whose purpose is to serve the evolution of human consciousness and awakening a sense of possibility in and sacred in humans' hearts and spirit. Born and raised in Turkey, she always knew she would walk the sacred earth for a calling beyond her dreams. So I think that's all I'm going to say about you, Phyllis. Phyllis. And uh, just say that it's a marvelous coincidence that we're here. And um, if there is a coincidence, if there is, <laughs> and uh, I would suggest um, a little moment of tuning into each other now that we're not sitting next to each other in a car but looking mm-hmm. in each other's already beloved faces. Mm-hmm. So, Phyllis. Yes. What are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is my third time in Santa Fe, and I came back um, to continue a spiritual process that I committed to uh, a few years back, and I'm here to do uh, my second vision quest in the desert. So that's why I'm here. Right. And also to revisit, you know, lovely friends. Sure. And uh, amazing people that I know in this area. So what is it that motivates you to increase your spiritual awareness? Mm -hmm. uh, And also, in other words, uh, be committed to ceremony? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think we live at a time where the cry or the calling, however we might interpret it, the calling of the earth is so strong and so loud right now that uh, anyone who listens, anyone who pays a little bit of attention uh, cannot not see it. It's um, such a strong 
um, calling I hear from the Mother Earth. And, um, and my spirituality, my spiritual path is very much connected with deepening my relationship, redefining, because I grew up in a city, in a modern city with the modern culture. Um, so it's also redefining, rediscovering, and deepening my relationship with this Earth that has given birth to me um, uh, ultimately and uh, and I'm so connected my my dreams my visions my whole life is so intertwined with her visions and her dreams and her evolution that I seek to understand it better that I seek to embody um, her ways more fully so that's um, why I'm called um, that's why I'm you know, uh, walking a spiritual path and the ceremonies, I feel, uh, especially these kinds of ceremonies that are very much about, um, you know, connecting with the earth and listening to the earth and tending to the earth as um, they have the power to reawaken the human heart and soul and uh, and uh, revitalize our senses and... Um, and to be humble again, as uh, as humans, as part of the wider creation. Uh, I think uh, at some point, uh, majority of humanity has lost perspective and and um, a point of reference of who we are, what we are, where we belong, and uh, what yeah, what are we part of? Mm-hmm. And um, so it's kind of remembering that too, and. With humility that I have come from this earth and I will return to this earth and I belong. This world doesn't belong to me. I belong to this world. I belong to this earth. So the ceremonies, ceremonies that I'm participating in have the power to to reawaken, to re rekindle that kind of belonging to mother relationship, and um, it's beautiful. Do you remember when would be the first times that you became mm-hmm. awakened to this uh, to this desire to mm. be connected with the earth? Yeah. I mean, to know the truths of your being connected with the earth. Um, I remember a moment of falling in love. It wasn't. Um, I wasn't yet so conscious of. You know, neither ceremonies nor um, maybe the, so conscious of the calling of the sort that I'm talking about. But I remember a moment. It was the spring of 2005, and I was in UK at Schumacher College, mm. having a short course on holistic education. And then it's in a be- the school is in a beautiful area uh, in Devon and in Totnes, in fact, and there are beautiful parks and forests around and. I was spending time in the Dartington Gardens um, after the workshop, you know, in the afternoons we had free time and I would spend time in the gardens, in the parks and and I, it was one lovely April afternoon and I, I was walking in the, in this garden which is like centuries old and so amazingly beautiful that it opens one's heart immediately. And then um, I was really in an altered state, I feel like. And and then I go and I went and sat on a bench at the edge of the park facing a land, like a 
land that is cultivated for you know food production and the land has just been um, um, plot so mm-hmm. it was just this dark humusy soil right. just freshly and it was raining and then this this it was so bare and alive and rich and the, all the aromas and everything and I sat at that bench looking at this dark soil and and I felt this is incredible um, I think I, that's the moment I fell in love I was 30 years old and mm-hmm. so my journey of reconnection started yeah. So you are also an activist and an organizer. Mm-hmm. And so I would like you to talk a little bit about that part of your life. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps if it comes organically, talk a bit to us about the situation mm-hmm. in Turkey and right. what people are experiencing. Yeah. Um, activism, of course, isn't interesting idea and um, as more and more I'm probably um, being in a, you know there's something called sacred activism so it's it's different than uh, I think fighting for a cause or against a something and and it's more about living a, a life which is more um, embodying one's values and visions and, and principles in life and that just by simply being that and living the way I would like others to live, I might be an ins- inspiration to others. That, that this, this is for me more of a, a sacred activism. And, mm-hmm. and I think resonates more with me at this point. And, um, but yeah, I've done a lot of community organizing work in the past um, seven years in Turkey and, and mainly focusing on the sustainable living um, aspect like awareness raising and capacity building and I've called um, people together around uh, themes like permaculture and themes and practices like permaculture, natural building, natural beekeeping so it's just like this was my way of uh, in a way responding to that calling I heard from the earth uh, we need to change the way I, the way we live and we need to live wiser and and healthier and more wholesome. So I was working, or whatever called me in the moment, you know, I've met permaculture, inspired me so much that I was like, we need it in Turkey, like we need to tell people about it. So this is how my work would unfold, you know, and, um, and then the natural building and then the beekeeping, oh my God, there's, you know, we need to do something about the bees. So whenever I felt an inspiration in my heart, I will just say, okay, who can we talk to? Who can we invite? What can we do? Let's pe- bring people together around this idea or topic or practice and let's start learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I organized many, you know, workshops and trainings and gatherings. And, and I use the social media and social networking a lot to build um, communities of practice, practices, you know, communities of practice. So mm-hmm. like the Permaculture Network in Turkey, I've spent quite a bit of time in uh, giving, you know, giving birth to it and um, with, with other fantastic people, of course. So, um, this, yeah, this has been my work. And, um, and more and more, uh, as I continue on my spiritual path, I'm seeing, um, yes, we have um, amazing practices. Yes, we have 
the technology and we have also social technologies but um, that work takes us until a certain um, until a certain place and then um, and then somehow still something is missing like um, there is there is willingness and there are good intentions um and there are all these you know practices and technologies as I mentioned, um, but when we come together, um, I think the magic is um, how do we become this collective uh, intelligent organism Beautiful. that can see, yeah. you know, beyond and more than one of us can see or the two of us can see. It's like the, the, there is more than the sum of us. Um, there's that entity that being of the collective and um, it's really fascinating when we get to that place together as, as a human community and and um, tap into in all kinds of possibilities and solutions and that that's also often I experience that it's we don't go there so much with the with the mind but uh, more and more I see um, how can we activate the heart intelligence and it's also not inventing the wheel again, you know, reinventing the wheel. It's not about that. I think there's so many already ancient wisdoms and practices that that is out there. We just need to reconnect and remember them. And some of these practices now I, I'm um, finding like, um, for example, dancing and movement and connecting with our bodies um, and being out in the nature, of course, like connecting with the earth, um, um, singing singing sound music like to be together in that these are the quickest forms to create uh, unified fields where we can connect with our heart intelligence and um, counsel for example if it's about dialogue and sharing the way of counsel that comes from also the indigenous peoples and um, ceremonies very very powerful um, creates very powerful fields of this collective heart intelligence um, gut yeah and gut yeah. intelligence yes. we might add so those practices I'm more and more focusing on those um, not only just you know all right the technology how can we be sustainable not, yeah. Yeah. yeah not only the technologies um, so well the situation in Turkey mm-hmm. um, kind of connects to this place to this Topic, Topic yes. because, um, I mean, we're experiencing now in, in a lot of places in the world, Turkey is not unique in that sense, but the the polarity is becoming so intense between the those of us who are um, really opening up to the possibility of a new human culture emerging, you know, which is, uh, um, has such different beliefs such as different belief system mm-hmm. underneath them mm-hmm. um, I mean this whole the whole new world view um, and culture human culture uh, and it's radically radically different I won't say so radically new because again it's the old new or it's the new the old future yeah. primitive future primitive yes yes yeah, so um, and then there is a whole other segment of society also in Turkey which is um just holding on so tight to the old structures to the uh, old stories yeah to the old stories and 
to the old stories of um, and duality and and um, control separation. and separation. Exactly. Um, um, it's just this gap in between seems to be getting bigger and bigger, and I feel like at some point it'll snap. But it's just. Um, yeah when you when you imagine mm -hmm. when you say these words mm -hmm. it'll snap mm. what do you imagine what's the images that come to your i almost heart? don't want to imagine <laughs> i don't know i think there is a fear of um things like escalating oppression. escalating violence and you know we're we're seeing that our government is uh acting more and more um uh based on control and, you know, um, creating fear, creating separation in the society, creating polarity um, between uh, people who are secular and who are more religious, between leftists and right-wings. Like, this is the old dualistic uh, worldview, and they're really, like, squeezing hard now uh, to get most of it, because it is going down. It is going down, and it's the last attempts of um, this... Uh, I'll tell you what I call it. Yes? I call it the last green vomit oh, yeah. of the patriarchy. <laughs> right. You know, like yeah. in The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. Well, one can say that, yeah. yeah. So um, so last year we had an, um, a big awakening in Turkey. And it came through the trees, believe it or not. We had wow. this small park in the center of Istanbul, uh, in Taksim Square. And the park is called Gezi Park. And this park has been sitting there silently ever since. Like, who knows how long, you know, who knows how old this place is. But it's been one of those silent places right in the center, but not many people actually went to this park. It was kind of a sleepy sl space. I don't know why. I don't know why. But then the um, uh, our government or the local government came up with a brilliant idea and they wanted to demolish the park and build a yet another shopping mall hmm. and this believe me this green space is the only green space in like miles um, wow. in that area it's such a breathing space actually even though many people not many people went there still um so and then um people started organizing around um you know, stopping the demolition demolition of the park, and there was a um, um, like a committee of people mm -hmm. um, that they worked about a year, but that they there was no result. There were court cases, but anyway, even the just judiciary system is a little shady right now yeah. in Turkey. Yeah, like in any under uh, under any authoritative regime. Absolutely, uh, and. Suddenly, one day, they brought bulldozers into the park and they, they started cutting the trees. But the people were alert and they started doing it at night. Imagine this, because they didn't want um, uh, people to prevent. So they started cutting mm -hmm. trees at night, but people mm -hmm. went there. From the first night on, they stopped the bulldozers. And then gradually, people started you know, inv like uh, taking over the park. Uh, because they didn't want to stop the bulldozers. So then it grew and it grew. Um, the police attacked violently to the protesters. They burned their tents. Um, when they acted like this, thousands and tens of tens of thousands of people then went on the streets. So 
it started as this, you know, this to protect the park, but then it's more than that. Suddenly, the things, you know, the events escalated and it spread out like throughout the whole country. And people were on the streets, um, you know, from all kinds of walks of life. It was really such a mixed crowd. Like everyone was there, old and young and left and right wing and conservative and secular and, you know, the the youngsters, the hipsters and uh, the old uh, failed sort of like quote unquote failed communists, you know, from the 60s, 70s. So everyone was there and um, and it became this cry for, you know, freedom and um and I feel like it became also this um, manifestation of this calling I hear from the earth, you know, this, like we need a different way, we need a different way of being and being, like being together and living. So in the two weeks or 10 days that the people occupied the park, there is there was that new world alive. It came alive in that park. Maybe it was similar to the, you know, Occupy, Occupy and yeah. Zuccotti Park, what happened there. This was, people created a... <laughs> An amazing reality. There. I mean, they they really experienced it. I say they because I wasn't in Istanbul at that time, so I didn't actually experience it in person. But I was very much, you know, in contact, yes. um, in connection, and a lot of my friends were there for days and nights, and and it was completely in um, gift economy. Uh, people, even if people didn't couldn't go to the park, they would send stuff, and they, there was everything in the park. Everything was shared abundance in abundance and uh, there was such solidarity and for the first time because Turkey is a very polarized country uh, because of our history for the first time you know a a, a secular person was uh, celebrating a religious uh, evening you know religious cer- like holiday with the um, left left wing uh-huh. you know <laughs> I don't know um, religious group of people there were um, Kurdish, uh, you know, activists yes. next to the uh, the more the more nationalist or people. The I mean, Coptic, it was, yeah. it was incredible, and um, something shifted. Like I can speak on my behalf, and I know I'm not the only one. There's this part of the society. I'm a good example, you know. Um, well-educated, well, well-educated, meaning went to higher education. Not yes, that I believe yes, the higher education right. is a well-education, but, right, right. you know, people who had the higher education, people who've traveled, who've seen the world, who has a certain, you know, understanding of what's going on in the world, who has people who have maybe visions and so on. I mean, we, we and I was very um, hopeless before Gezi happened. Wow. I was I could never make a decision to be in Turkey full time. I was always one foot was in Turkey, one foot was out, you know, like searching for a ground for soil to exactly. set in roots and uh and I just couldn't it wasn't happening. And then with Gezi suddenly I just felt for the first time in my, you know, then thirty eight year life, I felt at home. I felt like I belong here. Oh my god. This is my place. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. And um, and from then on, I'm like, this is my home. I'm gonna actually settle here, and I'm gonna, you know, set, like um, send my taproot in 
on this land. Right. Like so, right. yeah. This was a super strong energetic shift uh, in a lot of people. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's it's, first of all, it's a beautiful story. It's a mm-hmm. very interesting story, mm-hmm. and it's also interesting in the sense that. Since the beginning, since we started sitting here Mm -hmm. with the microphone, I was going to ask you, are you going to stay in Turkey? Yes. Wow. (laughs) And, and, And that was born out of these relationships that rippled out. Yeah, yeah. From that Taksim Square. Yeah, I really feel like it was a cry also from the ancestors. Uh Aha. I'm really... That's my intuitive knowing. Yes. And the, the ancestors are like... Um, because of our history, as I said, our, we had a very severe transition from Ottoman Empire, right. which was this multi-ethnic, super diverse, uh, multi-religious society into a very uniform identity under, you know, the Turkish Republic. And um, suddenly people... Um, and it was done with the purpose of uniting the people. And uh, we had gone, just come out of a war. Um, so there were reasons for it. And yet at the same time, it was still a very wounding time for a lot of people. The people were dislocated. People had to let go of their names, religions for, for fear. So um, there is this disconnect, very strong disconnect between who we are now today and our heritage, our past, our ancestors. So I feel like mm-hmm. there's this, this this wanted to like, it's like, you know, people wake up. And um, so I feel also, it's, yeah, it's the, it was the call for the from the ancestors. Well, I've been fascinated by this because call Turkey Europe or don't, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. Um, I feel that that is one of the big problems in Europe mm-hmm. is that we we d- we can't remember mm. except for the, maybe Ireland we can't remember our ancestors mm. and we can't remember the ways of our ancestors mm-hmm. so in a certain way most of us in Europe are extremely uprooted mm. uh we we have don't have a sense mm-hmm. of continuity yeah. like like what what were the ceremonies and the ritual rituals yeah what happened before yeah. we exported violence yeah. to the united states the, yeah. to to the country of the natives yeah yeah who were we before mm. we began to divide to conquer right yeah it's true. I also don't know, for example, the rituals and ceremonies with my own people. And um, and this is true for most of humanity right now. But also with the rise of the, you know, globalization and, um, and the modes of transportation improve. So we're like, we are all over the place. That's why um, I feel like um, there is a new... Um, meaning of indigenous now, you know. Um, maybe we're a world maybe. of homesick people. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is there is a new way of finding home. Yeah, and finding like, our indigen indigenous in, culture. Yeah, and uh, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, and um, so for me, 
I feel like such a global citizen. I, I feel belonging to my homeland. And I call that also mostly the land's name is Anatolia. Yes. Which is such a beautiful name. It yes. comes from Greek, Anatoli, uh, which means of the east. Because Anatolia mainland was of the east of the ancient Greece. Um, but Anadolu in Turkish is, it's, it's a, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but the meaning Anadolu in Turkish is, means full of mothers. Full of mother, motherful. <sighs> Such a beautiful name. So I refer to my homeland as Anatolia. And it's also a homeland uh, for many civilizations and many different ethnicities. Even today, if you go, if you dig a little bit, probably there are hundreds of different ethnicities um, um, coexisting, that coexisted for thousands of years. And um, so there is that. But I also, um, yeah, I feel belonging there and I feel I'm in service of this land. At the same time, I feel I have uh, also many connections and branches everywhere in the world. I have uh, such strong connections. Like being here in Santa Fe, I feel I have a soul connection to this place. And Mm -hmm. I'm nourished by this relationship. And what I receive here or give comes with me back to Anatolia and manifests as, as as a different gift. So... Um, the indigenous, the definition of it is maybe also changing, and um, I don't know my rituals, but I'm I'm doing uh, the ceremonies here with the Native American with a lot of respect um, and reverence, you know, and and the idea is not to re- repeat them in Turkey, but what what they do in me, what happens to me through those ceremonies, will become a medicine in Anatolia somehow. So this is true for our world right now, which is beautiful in a way. Very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about um, the gift economy. Mm -hmm. I became aware of you a couple of years ago through an article that you wrote uh, with, uh, through Mm -hmm. Charles Eisenstein. Mm -hmm. Uh, whom I absolutely admire and love. Likewise. <laughs> yes. So would you talk a little bit about how your yeah. your beliefs and mm-hmm. his uh, merge? Yes, and, yes, uh, yes. I've, uh, you know, from a early age, I was going to say, but now the youngsters start even earlier. Well, from an early age for me, I've started following my calling, my purpose in life. As soon as I became aware of it, I stepped onto that path. And um, so I've chosen to do as my work whatever is meaningful, heartful, like heartfelt, and um, and in, in my perception serves the greater community. I've been doing that um, in Turkey, and at the same time I was struggling a lot with uh, with economics with finances Mm -hmm. clearly i've graduated from the top business school in turkey but i did not choose that path so i stepped onto a different path which was very strange for a lot of people including my parents my family they never understood what i'm up to and why i'm making these kinds of choices but i was very stubborn in being really loyal to to my calling 
and I cannot not follow it, you know? I cannot do anything else. So so that meant uh, navigating my way through the... through. Well, I live, you know, in this mainstream economic system as well, and, and it's been a challenge, and, and I've realized for years I've done the work I've... I've committed to at the same time inside me there was always this dilemma it's like I can't take care of myself financially because my, I don't know three-fourths of the work I've done there was no client that can mm-hmm. pay me for this mm-hmm. work you know mm-hmm. and uh, and inside I was feeling like a failure because this was the projection of the society this was the projection of my parents and I had internalized it and I was feeling every time I've uh, had a financial challenge, I've hit the zero loop. I say, <laughs> I was like, "Am I a failure?" Um, I never doubted the work I did. It was a bit of paradox. Like I never doubted, and I never hesitated. I would have not given it up. But at the same time, inside my self worth was diminished mm-hmm. by this reality. So it was a very strange place um, until I came across Charles's work and uh, um, I mean the man has just like voiced I think a lot of the um, struggles and uh, hopes and fears and everything that you know people like um, people who are committing to their visions and trying to find their way or survive in a mainstream you know economic system Um, he really voiced um, something very deeply, um, I think, profound and collective. So anyway, I've very much uh, found, uh, you know, um, meaning, and um, it was like, yes, putting words to, um, to like, what I've been suffering from, or something, and, and, and it's true, you know, there is a whole, there's, there's two sides to the coin, in terms of like, money you know there's the whole idea of uh, looking within and like uh, healing the relationship with money healing um, my um, beliefs around you know self-worth and and um, etc so that this provide this is proposes one way to um, survive in this economic system like um, it's just like this is your problem your issue you know, um, you don't know how, you don't have a good relationship with money. That's why you don't have it. Um, that's why you don't have it. it does, yeah. Yeah. So this is one way of looking at it. And this also creates, um, there is truth to it. Um, at the same time, it's not the only thing. This is one side of the coin. The other side of the coin that I could, that Charles's words um, legitimized for me was like, the system is broken. The system is corrupt, and if you don't um, create value uh, defined by the system, you're not going to uh, get rewarded by mm-hmm. the system. Mm-hmm. So so these are both truths. Yes. Um, but finally, I could see it's like, like, it's not about only me and my failure and my lack of this and that, but I'm, I'm trying to operate in a system by definition... Um, is kind of like against my values and what I'm trying to do in the world. So, so hello, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, um, so I kind of, uh, gained 
more self-confidence and this um, split in me started healing with that and um, with that acknowledgement and realization and uh, and then I was also reading about the gift economy I've realized I'm practicing it to some degree mm-hmm. and I uh, was very inspired by Charles's example and I've decided to do a an experiment with it to live in the gift economy fully and I did for about two years uh, <clears throat> which meant um, several things and the work that I offered whatever it may be and whomever it may serve I did not place a price tag on it so um, and I invited the ones who benefit from it um, to consider supporting me with a gift so that I can continue offering this kind of work and I also invited my community I informed them about this experiment I, I told them you know this is the work I do, and there is there are no clients, you know. And in a way, from most of my work, the greater community benefits somehow. Um, and I, I said, you know, if you feel inspired or or feel like you you or someone you know is benefiting, I invite you to consider um, making a gift. And um, so through this way, I've. Uh, I've actually navigated the waters of gift economy for about two years, and it, it enabled me. And one of one of these years, I was in the states traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, of course, the gift economy is not about um, um, only money, but people's generosity and sharing of their resources, whatever that resource might be. Um, I've extremely benefited from. Uh, People, even people I don't know, their generosity and um, hospitality, um, especially when I'm traveling, um, being hosted, being fed, sometimes being even transported to places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been a very um, inspiring journey. And um, and the beginning of this year, I've... Um, and I also did a lot of advocacy about it, actually, last year, especially in Turkey. I've hosted gift economy workshops. I wrote about it. I talked about it. Mm-hmm. I told my story to a lot of people. And um, and some things have been planted. And when Gezi happened, the uprising, the park was a complete, complete manifestations of gift economy, like how to be in, in the gift culture. Beautiful. And from that point on, I feel like it amplified this, the Gezi amplified all those seeds I've been planting also with my friends, with other people. And then um, suddenly it went into the collective like this. And so slowly I've, um, because also my focus is shifting on other work, I've had moved out of the advocacy piece of the gift economy but I feel I live it Um, I live I live with the gift spirit for sure and um, from the beginning of this year I um, I started then um, working again with um, um, so I'm not living in completely gift economy right now Um, I am not like I haven't invited people to continue supporting me financially in that way they did and um, 
and I, I moved back to again offering work and maybe um, suggesting a, a a certain level of contribution from the receiver. At the same time, being open to um, consider, you know, other possibilities if uh, if it's not possible. If it's if I, I don't let let's say money to be a um, a what do you say something that prevents anyone to receive something they need. Exactly to yeah. be in to be in a relationship where yeah. their needs are met. Yes, yes. So, so, so I think the basis of uh, anything beautiful, but also the gift economy or the gift culture, is relationship and being in that conversation, open, transparent, sincere conversation around money and versus our needs and uh, yes. giving and receiving so yes. i'm committed to being in that and uh and experimenting with different forms yeah. beautiful yes so um we're coming to the end of our conversation and uh, wanted you to speak to us about uh, your art mm-hmm. and your photography mm-hmm. uh Yes. I think this is a good moment for that. All right. I see it as witnessing the world and witnessing the beauty. Um mostly in people but also in the in you know of the earth and and relationships. Um yeah, it's for me a chance to see deeper, see mm-hmm. with more attention. You know, um, yeah, paying attention and witnessing. And um, I hear from people, this is their commentary, but uh, we have a saying in Turkish, we say, to see with the eyes of the heart. Mm-hmm. And I've been commented on that um, that I'm um, offering the eyes of my heart to, you know, to the world and capturing its beauty to then touch the heart's And other, other witnesses, you know, um, I think something moves in people. So I'm committed to that, seeing that, capturing that, and offering it um, to to the people. So something moves in them also. Mm-hmm. And I've done um, also two years ago. I was doing a journey in, in the U.S., mostly in, through the West Coast and Southwest, and I called it the Brave New World. Mm-hmm. And this was about um, Um, understanding what this brave new world is about not about the book the, you know the old right, right. Huxley book but yeah. like, this was the real brave new world I was seeking I had this narrative in my mind that there is a brave new world coming it's exactly. in, it's emerging is it true I wanted to yes. see and I've traveled and asked people and interviewed a lot of people and I was also doing a lot of photography of that anything inspiring community projects new initiatives new ideas about I don't know, economy and energy and food production. So I've um so I also also capture these uh possibilities. Yes. And make them visible to people. Mm-hmm. So this is possible. We have uh, the capacity, we have the means. Look, these people are doing it. So um so the beauty, the possibility, the inspiration. Um this is what I try to offer through my photography work. Thank you so much, uh, Phyllis. Thank you. Thank for being you. with us. And 
I'd like you to take a moment mm. and uh, go into your heart mm-hmm. and tell us what you'd like to say in closing. Mm-hmm. Well, I immediately um, remember this quote by Rumi, who is of Anatolia. I mean, he's originally from mm-hmm. Persia, but he's Persian but has lived and left his legacy in Anatolia, in Konya. And his quote that I think informs my life and inspires me is the one that goes like, um, there is a place beyond right and wrong, Mm -hmm. I shall meet you there. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this is my journey to meet the world and to meet the people beyond right and wrong. And it's a a long journey. (laughs) It's a good trip. So, it's a good good journey. Yeah. Yes, yes. And okay. thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to share yes. some of my um, stories with you. Beautiful.